This is Nana. This is Connie. And we're here with Menstruation Nation, where all our conversations start with a period. Yeah? Yeah. Anyway, so first, just a little bit about this podcast and the origins of it. It started from Connie and my, we both had a lot of problems with our periods, mm-hmm. intense menstruation, and we were soul sisters. We were the only people who, like, we could confide in each other because nobody else wanted to hear about our periods. Go yes. figure. At the white shoe law firm. Yeah. We both worked at it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we just, like, call each other in, like, our offices and talk about our horrendous periods and how we couldn't think straight and how we didn't want to be there mm-hmm. and how if men actually had periods, like, they could be, take, like, the full week off. Um, our periods also synced up for a good... Like a year. Like a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah. I have a very strong uterus. It pulls other women's cycles. Yeah, and I have a very weak uterus. <laughs> so I don't think up with everybody and has in the past. <laughs> yeah, and so we just thought that this would be like a nice forum to like sit and talk with to women about their menstruation, their periods, but just other things in their lives, like our own little Bechdel test where we can talk about things that aren't just like dudes. Yeah. <laughs> but also dudes. Yeah, sometimes dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest here today is Elian, who is my buddy from law school. Say hello. Hi. Elian here is a badass immigration lawyer, mother of two. We knew each other from the immigration and refugee clinic. And Elian stayed the course and is actually helping people, children, refugees, asylum seekers, etc. I am a corporate lawyer, so that clearly I received the proper training for what I'm doing now. You do a lot of pro pro bono. I do pro bono. It's It's true. It's a a very necessary. (laughs) But I do admire what you do, and interestingly, we're not here to talk about what you do, though, because you have other passions, including like maternity leave and rights of parents and things like that. So that's what we'll be talking about today. So, as this is Menstruation Nation, I thought we'd start today by talking about some menstruation news. As Nana knows from our days working together at the law firm, I had a very, very heavy cycle before I got my IUD. Yeah, torrential. Torrential. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tried everything to avoid leaks. I tried the Luna Cup. I would pair overnight pads with an S plus tampon. Um, Wow. It would still happen. It would still leak, right? So, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about the Alicia Coleman case in Georgia. No. But what happened was she basically got fired for leaking period blood onto her chair at work. (gasps) Yeah. So she was having a very heavy flow in connection with her menopause. She leaked onto her office chair. She had to report it to her supervisor who gave her a disciplinary write-up and told her that if it happened again, she would be fired or, quote, if she ever soiled another chair from a sudden onset menstrual flow. Also, like, it, it's not like you can control you your menstrual flow. That was clearly yeah. a dude who, like, Also, why did she have to report it to her supervisor? Yeah. I have no idea. That's awful. That's crazy. So it happened again, and they fired her because she, quote, did not practice high standards of personal hygiene and maintain a clean, neat appearance while on duty. Oh, no. So it's against the law for employers to discriminate on the basis of sex under Title VII of the Civil yeah. Rights Act, and so the ACLU filed a sex discrimination case. But it was recently in the news because the district court dismissed it, saying that um, menstruation or premenopausal symptoms are not protected by Title VII. And so now the ACLU is appealing. Well, but the how, judge a man. Yeah, the yeah, judge is clearly a dude. Yeah. So I don't know if I've told you this story where I 
soiled several chairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Same. because I had a fibroid. Oh, and no. when I was working in Brazil at my office, oh, like, shame. I got an ID. And I, to say, like, I have an ID now that I loved, but when I had a fibroid, they, like, didn't interact yeah. well. Yeah. And so what my gynecologist eventually told me was that, like, the blood was, like, collecting. Yeah. Like, because the ID was, like, kind of holding it in place. Oh. And so for some reason it just like exploded mm. and I was like at work and like it was like gushed out yeah like I like all over my legs all over the chair like all over the floor and I like, like got a bomb. like, like, like a, bo- a blood bomb yeah and so I had to like I was like freaking out and I had to like one this and this is why it's like good to have like women around you like I told my friend and I was like I'm bleeding and she's like okay okay go to the bathroom, clean up. She, like, ran out of the office, bought me, like, new clothes mm. so I could change. Imagine uh, if that had happened and you got, like, a fu- disciplinary Exactly. Up. Like, you're already humiliated. You're, like, humiliated what enough. fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, justif- Like, how do you justify it? It's my body. Like, yeah. Like, what do you want me to do, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Anybody else want to talk about period bloods? Or can we jump into action here? Let's jump into our interview. Okay. So... Elian, yes. I remember 3L year. I like have such a vivid memory of you telling me you were pregnant because <laughs> it was kind of like weirdly dramatic. I don't know if I think we just generally made like a date to see each other, and then you're like, I have something to tell you because I'd been away for the semester, yeah. and you're like, I'm pregnant, and I was like, Oh, awesome! And you just seemed like really surprised that I said. People had really weird reactions. <laughs> I remember when I was telling them. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you seemed like nervous. What were you nervous about? What were you feeling in that moment? Like, um, and just that generally that period in your yeah. life. Yeah. Well, I think. You know, it's really, I have so many thoughts about this, but I, you know, being pregnant and as a woman is a very public experience. You know, talking about like being in, in male spaces, having male professors, and my body was yeah. so obvious. I was like showing my pregnancy to everyone. And I, um, we were in our last year of law school and law school is a place, especially the last year where everyone is very focused on kind of staying in the system and the plan. Yeah. And I feel like my, like, pregnant body was very um, provocative in this way because it, like, kind of threw people off because they didn't understand, like, what the plan was. And it was really stressful. People would ask me all the time. They're, like, like, random people who, like, weren't really my friends would be, like, oh, my God, like, what's your plan? Are you going to work at a firm? Are you going to, um, I, when are you getting married? Like, what, what's your, and I, I, like, at that time. They said, when are you getting married? Because I, because I was engaged but not married okay. yet. And, and, and I think people asked it generally not from a place of, like, shaming me, but just, like, it was so surprising for them to see someone who was, like, off track. Yeah. That they, like, really wanted to understand, like, how I was going to figure this out. And I was, like, I don't know. I don't know yet. Like, I don't, like, I don't really want to have to explain this to every one of you. And I was thinking about how I, there, I had two classmates that I knew of that their wives had babies like around the same time I did and how for them like they'd never had to answer any of those questions because it's such a private experience in them in their lives like because no one can tell that they're pregnant yeah but I was the only pregnant person at the law school like of 1500 people at that time and um all my professors knew every random person knew yeah you know and it was it was really isolating and really really difficult Yeah. yeah so it wasn't like necessarily being pregnant but it was like the combination of being pregnant in that space and like yeah like. yeah and so then, I mean then kind of like after after leaving law school and having um having my son um it, it, I it was it was surprising how um how isolating and alone it felt because I think it is really important um especially as a new mom to develop friends who are going through similar experiences to you 
I really didn't have any friends who had kids. And, um, and not only, it wasn't just that I didn't have friends who had kids like in our, our life in, in New York and stuff, but like most of my friends also didn't even, I was the only one of their friends who had kids. So it wasn't yeah. just like, it wasn't just that, like it wasn't just that I was the only one with kids, but it was like, I was the only one in the, the very extended social circle yeah. that had kids. And this yeah. is, I mean, we're in our early 30s, right? But at yeah, the time you... I was, I was like, 29. Yeah, so, like, it's not even, like, really that young. But yeah. Like, in New York, it's... And, and, and like, school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's definitely, like, you know, I have a second child now, not to, like, spoil... Spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> but it's funny, because, like, so, like, with my second... With my daughter, um, I feel like it's been, like, a, a huge change, because, like, now... All of a sudden, like people, I have friends who have kids around the same age, and it's only a matter of basically like three years. Like, yeah, it's a big transformation, but like just happened to be that like twenty nine was just and like just graduating from law school, nobody was having kids yet. Um, can I ask you a personal question? Mm-hmm. What was it like to give birth? Oh, so yeah. Nana and I do not have kids. No, yeah. I like we're thirty two. I'm thirty one. I just like cannot. I still don't understand how it's like my body can do. What? I just don't get it. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm, I love this topic. Um, I think that, um, I, I have a lot to say about it. One, because I feel like I just have, I feel like I've seen a lot of people go through the kind of thoughts about birth. And I know that myself, when I was pregnant with Orin, I did a lot of reading on birth and mm-hmm. got really into like the cult of like not the natural birth yeah. movement. <laughs> and I like, decided that that was like, I like totally kind of like bought the whole line of like, you know, the, the big pharma, the hospital, well, they like want you to like, not have natural births and C-sections are evil and you need to have a natural birth in order to be, in, to, in order to actually bond with your baby and blah, 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 blah. So can and, I interrupt yeah. real quickly? So to clarify, when you say natural birth, it mean, obviously means no drugs, but you yeah. mean not in a hospital? In, or in, not, in, in a, a hospital. You can have it in a hospital, but typically like I, I wanted to have Orn in a birth, birth center. center. Okay. Um, and um, it didn't work out that way. Like I had, um, with Orin, I had a, uh, pretty painful birth I, it's funny to remember I I remember saying to Jonathan at the time that it felt like I had a giant football player and he was ramming his helmet into my spine <gasps> oh my like gosh. over and over again yeah, didn't you say you like ha- fell on the ground because you're like yeah in I, pain? I was like literally like I, I was like in a really really bad place and um and you didn't take any drugs well no no at the beginning <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um and then and, and then um and then I was we had like a doula who was like really um, militantly like anti-drugs and then oh, eventually yeah. Jonathan I was like Jonathan like I need an epidural I was like scared to tell the doula and um, <laughs> you remember the story with the epidural like, like Jonathan always says he's like I've never seen someone like a transformation so dramatic <laughs> as like you before the epidural and you after but I literally was like I like when before the epidural I like needed like complete darkness and I, I think I was um, I was slowing down the birth because I was in so much pain oh, like oh I literally gosh. was like fighting it because it was it was like overwhelming me oh gosh and then um I went to the hospital, they started doing the epidural, and I had two anesthesiologists, like, a, one who was, like, learning or something, and they're chatting, and they're like, oh, like, do you know that, um, uh, Princess Kate, or, you know, Kate Middleton gave, gave birth today, and the other one's like, oh, no, really, and I was like, remember just at the time before they had got the epidural drugs, and being like, shut up, like, please be quiet, like, any noise was, like, so painful, and then, like, kind of, like, in the process of their conversation, the epidural kicked in, and I like, totally perked up, and I was like, oh my gosh, she had her baby today? Like, I, like, joined in the conversation, and I was, like, so excited. I was, like, oh, like, is it a boy or a girl? Um, and then, um, and then, like, basically, within, like, 15 minutes, I got getting the epidural, I dilated, and, like, completely, wow. and I just, was, my body was able to relax, and then oh, I was able wow. to, like, really enjoy it, and then my mom was able to come into the room, and we were, like, talking, and then, basically, um, 
like an hour or so later I was ready to push and then like just pushed for a little while and Orin came out and um so I just I think it's really great to have natural births but I also feel like I had a very empowering epidural experience that yeah um and I with Eva with my second birth um that like was very pain free. I you did like, the epidural from the beginning. From the from the beginning, I also I had to get induced with her. My water had broken. I didn't go into labor. So basically, as soon as I knew I was getting induced, I was like, I'll just get the epidural. <laughs> like, Can I have a side of epidural? Yeah, yeah. Please? I was like, just throw in the epidural with that, please. Um, and so then it was like really, I was like literally like texting people while I was waiting to wow. finally, and then like, um, and and I you know people are always like, oh, if you have the epidural like you don't get that rush and that high when the baby is born and I'm like I had the high with both of them like I like it was fine it was awesome like I like I like totally bonded with them mm-hmm. it was this it was it was like that's why I always say like the, the coolest part is you're like going through all this craziness and then baby comes out and you're like oh my god this is this person and it's just like it's not just like any baby it's this individual and it's really cool and it's this most amazing moment and it's really incredibly powerful and it's wonderful um, and even if you have an epidural, you still get to have that moment. And so, um, I, I think that there's a lot of focus on the birth itself. Mm-hmm. And I remember this problem with Orin, like I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's great if you want to have a natural birth, but I think there's such pressure on women and there's this real, I know, I, I just know so many women that feel so cheated or, or like, like failures because they like didn't have a natural birth. And I just, I'm like, why? Like, who cares? Like do what you want to do, but like why there's no, I don't know. There's, you're not proving anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it is like, I guess what you're touching on, I think is really interesting because the whole idea, I think of a natural birth was supposed to empower women. Right. Because it was like this idea that like the, I guess like the medicalization of birthing was like taking some like agency away from that. But then it turned into something else where it was like a way to shame you for not being woman enough. Exactly. You know, I completely agree. That's that's exactly the issue. Yeah. 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 Can I ask a very basic question? Yeah. What is involved in an epidural? Is it a shot? Is no, that... it's a, it's a, it's basically like they put a needle into the, your back of your spine. Do you feel that? Um, well, they, they put a local anesthetic, so you don't okay. really feel it when they go, it goes in, but you don't, if you don't like needles, which I don't like, you definitely don't want to see it uh-huh. before it goes in. Does it, so it doesn't hurt to get that? No, not really. Like, yeah, because they, they put like a local anesthetic. It probably, it like pinches a little bit. It's not uh-huh. like a, it's not Is it a big needle? It's a really long needle. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, wait, I'm sorry. How do you... Is that in the whole time you're mm-hmm. giving birth? That's why when you get an epidural, oh. you can't. You have to be on your back, which is like one of the big oh, criticisms of it. Because I see, like, I think, okay. you know, a lot of the women who will say like natural birth is better is because you can like stand up and walk around yeah. and squat. Mm. But if you have an epidural, you'd be lying on your back. Got it. I just feel like nobody ever talks about nobody ever talks about the specific. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So next question. Do you do you have anything? any advice or anything you learned from your process that you would give to people like me and Nana who are late to the baby-making game? Um, well, I feel like you should be asking for yourself. You keep, like, throwing me this, like, late. <laughs> no, I, I... People like Nana and me who don't have kids yet. <laughs> uh, well, my, my Orin was unplanned, but with Eva, we, we, we were actually planning. Um, and I started reading more about fertility, and that was an eye-opening experience to me. I don't know if you, how much you know about, we're talking about cycles, but there's an amazing book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which I recommend even if you're not trying to get pregnant, like, just because it's good to know. And when I read it, I honestly felt like there was kind of like a, like a feminist need to be like, everyone should be reading this book. And it, it really felt like this is 
holding women in society back to yeah. be so uneducated, even though I went to a school that taught sex education. Like, it's, like, not even, like, there's so many women in this country who don't even get that, yeah. you know? Um, and I think part of it is, like, you kind of learn that in, like, a silo, like, in an isolated moment. And, yeah. that, and like, I feel like it's something, like, we have to constantly be, like, aware of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so... I, I think maybe getting an app or something. I, I, yeah. I myself, I felt very similarly to you. Yeah. I have no idea how my like menstruation or ovulation yeah. or anything works. Yeah. Yeah. And at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you just said that your first child was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that like you have to make any decisions that were career altering? Yeah. I mean, definitely. In, in some ways, you know, I, I go back and forth about how I feel about this, but you know, I, I actually had an offer at the firm that you guys used to work at, um, and I and I was considering going there and seeing, you know, maybe I could make it work. And I, I talked to a few people who had kids and asked them, like, okay, like, is this doable? And it basically was not. Like, I was like, it was like pretty clear that the norm of like being a woman and having a child as an associate is just like not possible. Mm-hmm. I actually remember like at the law firm there was this one person I worked with over the summer that I really really loved and she had a kid and she was like an associate and so she was kind of like a mid-level associate and she was like you know I don't work between the hours of 4 and 8 p.m and so like I like I go home I pick up my daughter from daycare I like put her to bed I give her dinner and then like I get back around nine at eight and then I work in the night and I was like okay like that actually seems like possible yeah and then basically between the summer and when I was deciding this like she had already quit the firm because like it was like, totally unsustainable you know and I was like okay well like I guess it doesn't work so um, you made the right choice. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so then I, you know, so I chose, I, you know, I had already been kind of going back and forth about, do I want to do public interest? Do I want to work for a firm for a while? And, but that really pushed me into public interest. Um, so I've noticed that your social media activity has changed since you had children. Yeah. Um, like, you, it, you just seem more to be advocating a lot more for things like, um, you know, parental leave and mother's rights and things like that yeah um and one of the things that i it was curious to me is because i had a friend in brazil who is like a lawyer's lawyer she's just like a really intense personality really dedicated like likes working like you know she's super intense and like she never really thought about gender until she had a kid and she said all of a sudden it was like she was aware of that the limitations yeah people were sending her messages that you're only going to go so far here yeah and she was just acutely aware of her gender and so I was wondering if you had a similar experience like yeah absolutely I mean it's it's becoming a mother is 100% one of the most life-changing experiences in terms of understanding how stacked the system is against women and um, I mean, you, you like. There's been many studies that have um, come out in like recent reports about how a, a, the gender pay gap is almost entirely attributable to having children. Like mm-hmm. women who don't have children, um, are the pay equity is much more, um, much closer. Yeah. And um, and then like beyond that, um, studies about which professions have gender parity in pay are the ones that are um, more conducive to flexible schedules and have less of a need for constant um, availability. Yeah. So, like, pharmacists are, like, one of the the industries that have, like, the one of the highest levels of gender parity in terms of pay. And, like, up the chain. Up the chain, yeah, because, like, as a pharmacist, it's really, like, an, you work your shift and you're done, and there's no expectation that you have to work when you're off the, when you're off the clock, mm-hmm. and um, you can create your own schedule, and it's very predictable. Yeah. And I thought, basically, it, all of those things are things that, if you don't have that in a job, 
it ends up being that the the women pay for that and in terms of like not making as much money as men it, I mean it, like as I said like I ended up like my husband and I um because he was already a little farther along in his career and had was on a path towards like a more um lucrative and like private like demanding private sector job like it made more sense for him to stay on that path and I was like doing like public as so I took a job doing public interest work um and a large part of that was because you know I need to be home by six for the kids every day um and because of that like I have you know, I'm on a very different trajectory in terms of pay, and I yeah. like see that we'll, our, I'll never catch up to him, you know. And in terms of like the parental leave and stuff, like that's a whole other topic. I'm happy to start yeah. going to it. I don't know, like so. Um, I'm one of the fortunate sixty uh, percent of Americans who have access to FMLA, so that means twelve weeks of unpaid leave. But I'm one of the unfortunate eighty six percent of Americans that had no paid leave, so I had twelve mm-hmm. weeks unpaid. But so can we just clarify? You said you're part of the sixty percent. Who is the sixty? So sixty percent of the American workforce is covered by FMLA. So forty percent of Americans like are, have access to zero unpaid leave. And what's the? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, what's like? So the it's, it's because it's like you have the organization has to be over a certain number of employees, uh, and you okay. have to be full time, and you have to have worked for the Got company it. for a year. I did not actually know that. I yeah, know. I just assumed everybody. So, had so I actually almost to it. didn't get it because with Eva, I started my job May fourth. And then she was due May 2nd, the following year. And so it was, like, actually two days under a year. And so they uh, they technically could have denied... I'm sorry, denied what are you me. supposed to do if they deny you or you don't want No, they, they just they can fire you. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, can't believe that's a... Th- I actually didn't know this. I thought FL... F, was it FL? FLA? FLA? Yeah. I thought that was available to everybody. And it's 60% is pretty low. It's, so yeah. 40% of women could yeah. be fired. Mm-hmm. That's well, that's why 23% of American women go back to work within four weeks of having a baby. Oh my gosh. And yeah. in your experience, yeah, no, is that even doable? Yeah, so no. that's kind of my other question. Is yeah. like just the basic one, because I've never had children. What do you need the leave for? Like, yeah, what? so I mean, so most immediately, like you just, your body is, in, you know, speaking of our, our, our bodies and all the wonderful things they do in birth, your body is like in recovery. Like yeah. I, I remember um, with Oren, my in-laws came to visit when he was a week old and we decided to go out to brunch and we walked like, not even that far, like Jonathan wanted to go to this like brunch place was like 10 minute walk from our apartment. And I, we got to the place and I actually like went into the bathroom and I was like gushing blood still. And I had to take a taxi home because it just, the physical walk, like I hadn't, I hadn't really anticipated like how, um, overwhelming that would be for my body. My body was like, it needed to recover. It had gone through this really intense experience. Yeah. And how, how soon was that after? Like about a week. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, everyone has different, um, different experiences and yeah. you know, there's like different levels of recovery, but like generally speaking, you, you actually just need to rest. Like you, your body can't, you can't walk, you can't, yeah. um, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're in pain still. So yeah. It's, and, and so with, with my daughter, I had, I was lucky in the sense that I had FMLA, um, but I was given 12 weeks and it was actually really stressful because she was a week late. She didn't come and I was like furious because like, I can't believe I'm like wasting my maternity leave just like sitting here, you know, doing nothing. Like, and then, um, and then so I, I, you know, I asked my boss, I was like, can I take an extra week and come back when she's 12 weeks old? And my boss was like, yeah, of course, like that's not a problem. Like, you know, you've taken care of all your cases. That's yeah. fine. Um, I got an email from HR like a week before I was supposed to, the right when I was supposed to come back and they're like you need to come back 
like on Monday. I was like, no, no, no. Like I worked out with my supervisor. Like I'm coming back a week later. It's all unpaid, right? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's the thing. You're yeah. negotiating unpaid leave right now, yeah. right? And I was like, and they were like, no, like you have to come back on Monday or you'll be fired. And I was at what? that point, like literally, like, well, like you can fire me. Like good luck, like trying to find a new attorney and train them and yeah. put them in this job. Like I'm like I literally don't care. Like I'm not coming back. And it was like this crazy standoff. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They lose one week of you. How long is it going to take to find a new it's person? Crazy. Well, it's crazy. It's so dumb. It's, it's like HR, like everyone, yeah, like people, <laughs> Jonathan's like, they're not going to, like HR's not going to fire me. Like HR doesn't even know me. Like they've never met them. Like they, they, it's a giant organization. They have no, they have, it's not, it's not personal. Yeah. It's just like they have a policy and they're not flexible because that's their job is to have one policy for yeah. everyone. But like it ends up being very hostile. And um, I went back when my daughter was 12 weeks old and I, I mean, I can't tell you. I, I I know there are people who have to go back so much earlier. I felt like it was so wrong with every fiber of my body. Like, I remember the first day back being so upset that I was there and, like, seeing someone, they're like, oh, like, how are you doing? And I just, like, literally started crying, like, went to the bathroom. Oh, my and I remember My friend was telling me that she was crying her first day back and her friend was like, her supervisor was like, oh, don't worry, like, everyone cries their first day back. That's and not, it's, like, a thing we should normalize. Exactly. It's, it's like, <laughs> why, what is this system that, like, that, like, we're, everyone's, like, forced to, like, leave their baby when their baby's, like, clearly too young. And I just remember, like, sitting there pumping, like, so many times a day to, like, get milk and just being, like, the absurdity of the situation where I'm, like, sitting in, a, like, an office pumping milk out of my, my breast to, like, put in a bottle so that another person can, like, warm this bottle tomorrow and, like, feed it to my baby. Yeah. So just being home with my baby, like, I want to be, is so crazy. And I, it was such a contrast to what my experience with my son was because... My first day back with him when he was nine months old, I was just like, hello, like, yay, I'm back. Like, I can't wait to be here. And then with my daughter, I just was like, this is, this is wrong. Like, yeah. this is not how it's supposed to be. And I, I should not be at work right now. But the problem was like, you know, I remember talking to some of my friends and they're like, you should just quit. Like, whatever. Like, screw that. What are you supposed to do? And I'm like, to do something for money. Yeah. Right? And like, well, and I was just like, I, I actually do want to work. It's not that I don't like my job. Like yeah. I like this job and I, and I like this and I find meaning in it and I want to work, but I'm just not ready to be back. I just need more time. Just give me six months. Like that's all I want. Mm-hmm. I don't even need a year off. I just want six months off. I just want to like, with six months, I found with both of my kids that like, there's a real transformation and they start eating solid foods. You're not like you can wean or you can nurse less than like they're, they're like, okay, at six months. But a 12 week old baby is like a tiny little creature that is entirely dependent on you for its nutrition. Have you guys heard about this lactation case that went on? No. no. So this lady was denied a place to pump breast milk when she returned to work at like however, you know, however old her baby was. They had a lactation room, but she had to wait three days because of HR policies and she had films like forms to fill out um, and they didn't offer any kind of alternative, right? And so she complained and her supervisor said to her, maybe you should just stay home with your babies and then dictated a letter of resignation and made her <gasps> sign it. No. So she sued for sex discrimination, was rejected by a district court, rejected by a court of appeals, and then denied by the Supreme Court. So is the law just not conceiving of childbirth as a gendered thing? That's like the can trend I, we're I seeing. what their yeah. giving were? They said that penalizing her for pumping breast milk is not sex discrimination because some men can lactate as well as women. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Okay, that's that makes, that, that's that that the quotes, stay at home with your babies is not gender specific. Wow. That's, wow. that's actually, I'm, it's I'm sure Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not sign off on that, like for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I think is, gives me kind of hope is like some of these gigantic corporations are giving paid leave 
to workers across the board. So it's not just like a white collar thing. And yeah. So like there were things like I think Starbucks has like eighteen months for full time birth mom, and then they'll have like twelve months for the other parent. Really? Yeah, but yeah. That, that that's new. Like it's that, very new. That was like a result of like a pretty conservative campaign. Yeah. By, like, so, by an organization called Paid Leave US. Because uh, initially, the Starbucks League was only for corporate. Yeah. And they put a lot of pressure on them to try and expand it to the to the whole, the whole staff, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, I just... I kind of want to talk a little bit about this, like, these social yeah. movements. Yeah, are... and it's, so it's interesting, like, I was... Part of me is, like... So, so this organization, this paid leave organization, focuses on companies, and that's, right now they're, like, going after Target and, like, trying to get Target to expand its paid leave policies. Um, and to me, that feels, like... Clearly, like, it's never going to happen if you're just asking a company to pay out of its own, like, finances in order to give paid leave. Like, this is a social good, and this should be done yeah. by the government. Like, it's not... It doesn't make sense for, like, a company to do it. Like, in a company who's... It's just... Because it's never going to have that much reach. Yeah, it's not going to be, like, a widespread thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, right now, it's, like, only 14% of companies are give paid leave. Okay, even if we get to, like, 50%, like, that would be, like, amazing. Yeah. But then you still have 50% of the workforce who aren't covered by it. Part of me is just like it has to be, it has to be the government who mm-hmm. passed laws. Like it, it can't, it's just never gonna work if it's a private sector. I think one of the really interesting things this group and can you say the name again? Uh, paidleave.us. Pa- paidleave.us is that they're trying to enact change across sort of socioeconomic lines and like you know, so because I yeah. used to kind of conceive or at least the dis- discussion around paid leave seemed like a very sort of white collar corporate thing yeah. and now. It is something that I think needs to be extended to people across socioeconomic levels. And yeah. I think that the idea, like, childcare in some ways has been racialized, like, historically. Mm-hmm. And so there are these think pieces about, like, you know, like, women, when we talk about women entering the workforce, obviously, like, the women who have, like, the most advantages in the workforce have traditionally been white women. And yeah. they were able to enter the workforce because they had, like, relatively cheap labor provided by women of color you know initially Mm -hmm. it was black women but then obviously because of like immigration Mm -hmm. a lot of like latinas filipinas etc yeah and so the idea was like well we have to think about like the the where the benefits and the costs are concentrated yeah i just like wanted to get your thoughts about these racialized socioeconomic levels and like yeah how the benefits have traditionally been distributed yeah so it's 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 I mean, a really interesting question for sure. I think, um, like, there is a childcare crisis in this country, absolutely, and um, that's a, not to say that to hark back to the role of government. Yeah. But, but really, the solution is that there needs to be government subsidized childcare, universal childcare, which is um, what they do in other countries. Yeah. And that was actually like on the table in the U.S. Um, and it was vetoed by Nixon. Um, there was like a oh a, wow that long ago. Yeah, there was there was like a proposal for universal childcare um, because the economics of childcare, the only it's just the market is not going to solve that problem. Like it's impossible basically. And so the only way to do it is to have government subsidized childcare. I'm hopeful, or I'm hoping that the because it does at least to appear to be an issue that's at least more dominant in like political discourse than it yeah. used to. Well, I mean, it's really sad because I think, you know, at, definitely before the election and and when, when we thought Hillary Clinton was going to win, like, and it did seem like there was this moment of like, okay, like, this is the time when this yeah. is going to happen, and um, and it's just funny you're mentioning like my social media feed, and I I was thinking about it, and I was like, I think. I was definitely talking a lot about it before the election, and I really, really cared a lot about it. I still really care a lot about it, but, like, 
now there's just so many other issues. It's, yeah. it's like, yeah. instead of thinking like proactively about how we're going to affect change, it just feels like we have to be so defensive, defensive yeah. and like how are we going to avoid moving like so far back. And then it's, so it just seems there's just no way it's going to pass. Like, well, isn't Ivanka supposed to like fix I it know, all? I know, I <laughs> know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Ivanka. Um, any more questions, Connie? Yeah. I mean, I think we should just mention that, um, there's still a way to go on this, but I think there's much more awareness now that it's like a legitimate choice whether or not to have kids. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely more acceptance for people who choose not to have kids. So I guess the question is, do you have any advice for women who are unsure, right? Like I'm 32 years old, right? The biological clock is ticking, but I mean, listening to you talk about, you know, how hard it is sometimes and how hard it is to balance career and children and everything that goes on in your life, like, I'm not sure if I want to have kids. And so do you have any advice? Like, what, what should I think about? Where should I look? What should yeah. I read? I mean, I think, um, I think I would say that having kids has made me actually more respectful of people who don't want to have kids. It's really, really hard. It's a mm-hmm. lot of work and it requires a lot of sacrifice. And there are some really real sacrifices in your career. And I think I feel really resentful of that as a woman about how um, how, how much of a toll it takes on you. And I, I see some people, um, like I was, I, I saw a friend recently from college who was just like doing some amazing, she's like total baller, like really successful. And I'm so proud of her. And she's like completely dominating this field that is like male dom you know, like male led field. And she's this like rising rock star and she's gone so far and she doesn't want kids. And I just remember feeling like, Oh, I'm so glad she's not going to have kids. Cause like, I just know that she couldn't, mm-hmm. yeah. she couldn't do this job if she had kids. Like she travels all the time and, and I, like, I'm so proud of seeing her in that leadership role. And, um, and I just, it's, it's sad that I'm like, oh, I, 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 are we in like 1950 or are we like in, you know, 2018 yeah. that I'm like, oh, you actually, like, it's actually impossible to be like a woman leader and have children still. Yeah. It feels like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think like, and there are exceptional women who do it, who also like probably have exceptional circumstances. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes they're presented at like you know, like, well, she did it, so you should all yeah. be able to do it, as but opposed yeah, to addressing like, the fundamental issue. Yeah, it's just, it's just, like, it's, like, just, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I guess, like, it's hard, I, I, and I'm, like, oh, God, I'm, like, people are gonna listen to this, and they're gonna think I'm, like, so anti-feminist, and, but, um, but it's just, like, I'm, like, you're pragmatist. Like, but no, was, I think, yeah. before, I mean, for a while, there was all this rhetoric about, like, having it all, like, we yeah. can do it all, and I think now, there's, like, this, Another yeah. wave where it's like you can't. I mean, yeah. Unless I mean, there's significant cultural shifts or yeah. shifts in the law, like, like you legal, really yeah. Can't. Policy yeah. shifts. Like, yeah. So, it is tough. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to just dissuade everyone from having kids, but I yeah, I, like, I do, still want yeah, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's, even I though it's gonna like, be a financial, emotional, and physical drain. Yeah. I, I just like I, 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 I guess I'm like really yeah, I'm just like really angry. <laughs> I think that I didn't realize. Like I'm like yeah like it's like, it's it's still that bad. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm like, it's still that bad. It's still that hard, and they don't tell you. And that's that's, that's kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I didn't realize it. And, I, and I, I, I felt in some ways like a little cheated because I'm like, I was raised in a family where like, I really feel like I was given the same expectations as my brother yeah. in terms of like, you can do anything you want. Like, go get them. Like, you, you're smart. You can achieve. And then it felt like I was lied to. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, like I grew up in this world thinking that I could do whatever I wanted, and then I had kids, and I realized I can't. And, like, nobody told me that. And we actually live in, like, we live in a society where women cannot have 
cannot have it all. Yeah. And like the fact that it's not so obvious and that I was, I took me until I was 29 years old to realize that is crazy. Yeah. 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 Oof. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is a very enlightening conversation. These are the things nobody tells you. Yeah. Yeah. Even my mom doesn't, had never sat down and told me like. My mom had like, my mom has horror stories about epidurals. But oh, no. when I told her, when I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, she was like, I mean, this was in the 80s, so you should ask you should somebody. Yeah, she was like, you should ask somebody who's had one recently yeah. because they did something. No, it was lovely. Like, I, every time I meet an anesthesiologist, I'm like, I love anesthesiologists. You're like, yeah. <laughs> kiss, kiss. And they're always, and, they're always, and I was like, I had the best epidural experience. They're like, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> they're like, I feel like everyone should get epidurals. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah.